Welcome to episode 257 of Live Happy Now. This is Paula Phelps thanking you for meeting us back here again this week. With so much going on in the world today, you might have hit the point of asking, why bother? A lot of situations feel really grim right now, and some days it's hard just to find your energy. Today's guest knows exactly what you're feeling, and even better, she has incredible insights to share about that. Jennifer Loudon is a personal growth expert and author of the new book, Why Bother? Discover the Desire for What's Next. She has a lot to say about why we should bother and how to discover our next steps. Jennifer, welcome to Live Happy Now. Oh, I'm so grateful to be here. Well, we're grateful to have you here because you've written a phenomenal book. And interestingly enough, it is perfect for what we're going through globally right now. So obviously that wasn't the case when you were writing it. <laughs> no. Oh, man. So I guess, can you talk about what made you want to write this book, not knowing we were going to be trapped in our homes in a pandemic? This book has probably been 20 years in the making, and I didn't know that until I found some files. I was cleaning out my files sometime in the last six months, and I found the beginnings of this that I sent to my agent years ago. So I think that we have books in us or paintings or movies or songs or whatever it is that we express that just, they're core ideas that keep mutating, if you will. <laughs> That's a terrible metaphor to use during a virus. <laughs> they keep, yeah, they keep evolving much better, much more positive <laughs> until they become clear to us. And so that's one part of the answer. The other part is that I wrote a memoir that completely failed as a work of literature. I spent four years and 500 pages working on it. But when I stepped away from it and realized, no, this is not going to work. I saw this pattern, and it was this pattern of these times in my life when I had been called to really ask, what do I care about? What do I want my life to look like? And I had gone part of the way into that question and then freaked out and gone for what was safe, for what was sure. And there was growth every time, but not as much as I think there could have been. And when I really looked at those junctures in my life, including a really long, awful one in my mid-40s that included divorce and a friend's suicide and my dad's death, I went, wow. And it all came together that way. How long did it take you to write this? This book that has been 20 years in the making actually <laughs> took about six months to write. <laughs> really? Yes. Because it's so thoughtful and it's very honest. That's one thing that's so striking mm -hmm. about it is you really open yourself to us. And I think as readers, that makes us more willing to explore ourselves. That's what I wanted. I didn't want to write a classic self-help book again. I've done that eight times before. I wanted to write companionship. I wanted to write something that you felt like someone was walking with you to help you think about what is it that I want to bother about? What do I want to care about? What could it look like? Yeah, and you do that. You take our hand and you walk with us. And again, I think what's so appealing about it is you're like, this is how I screwed it up. What did you do? <laughs> you know, you're not coming from up on high and saying, hey, this is how you should do it. You're like, man, I made a mess out of it. <laughs> sure did. Show me what you got. <laughs> so that's a really endearing and really appealing kind of connection that readers get immediately with this book. That's great. That's what I wanted. I really did. Because I think one of the things that really kept me stuck especially in that last why bother time for so long, so much longer than I needed to be, was self-cruelty and not realizing that it's not that you don't hurt for the mistakes you make or the things that are taken from you or not knowing if you have to get up and go to do what's next. Of course it hurts, but it's that we're so cruel to ourselves about it and we so replay and rewrite history in ways that 
don't serve us. Yeah. And so can you start by explaining the question the title asks, and that is, why bother? Can you explain why that's such an important question and then really what it means? Well, what I discovered is that we're all asking that question in different times in our lives. Sometimes it's a passing question that we ask for a few days. Sometimes we're asking it for months or years. But the problem is we don't actually ask it. We think we know the answer. So you may say, what's the point? Who cares? I'm not going to work hard in this marriage again. Nothing ever changes. I'll just stick with the job until retirement. It's good enough. We phrase it in all kinds of different ways, but really we think there is no new possibilities. Or we say, but look what the coronavirus took my business away. There's no way I can come back from this. And you may not be able to come back that way. But is there a new way? We give up on life because we don't actually ask the question, what do I want to bother about? We assume we know the answer, but we don't. Because I really believe, and I feel like I've learned this so much the hard way, life doesn't give up on us. There is more to come. It may look really different than what we hoped it would look like. There may be someone missing from the picture that we will always miss, or the income level might not be the same. You know, we're all going to change drastically because of this experience. Well, maybe not everybody, but a lot of us. And so it's not going to be the same, but then we get stuck with it can't look like that, so I won't open myself up to what do I care about? What am I curious about? What could possibly light me up even a little tiny bit? Yeah, so how do we ask that question differently? Because that's something (laughs) you talk about. I think the first thing we have to do is we have to listen to ourselves. We have to listen to all the things we are so sure we know about the present and the future. We have to actually key into the fact that we are pretend asking the question. Because that's the first thing that I didn't do. And that's what I see people doing. And you can see it in other people, right? You can hear it in other people, your best friend, your mate, your friend at work. Like they're so adamant about there's no reason, there's no possibility this can't happen. You need to start listening to yourself. Because until you start to realize that, yes, there are things you don't want to care about or you can't care about anymore, then you can turn to what is the other side of it? And you can start to ask, I wonder. Because wonder opens the door to desire, to bothering again, to getting the energy and the courage to move forward. And thinking that you know, (laughs) it doesn't. So as we look at the situation we're going through, and I think Mm -hmm. collectively now we're going through a transition and we're in this together, but we're all feeling very alone. Mm -hmm. We're scared and we're anxious and there's so much uncertainty. So can you talk about how asking why bother in this situation can help us address that? Well, I want to be careful because I think a lot of us are just shut down right now. We're in survival mode. We're either in fight, flight, or freeze, just to be a little simplistic about it. I've certainly been in freeze, you know, where I have to take naps every afternoon. I'm reading fiction voraciously just to escape. We're going to have to take this at the pace that our brain and our nervous system can take it. But I think part of the beauty for some of us that are privileged enough that's happening is we are discovering a lot that we do naturally care about. People are being so kind and so giving to each other. I saw today that weekly phone calls are unprecedented rates for the different wireless carriers. Usually the day of most phone calls is Mother's Day. And they're seeing that every single day. Oh, really? That's fantastic. Isn't it? People are reaching out. We see how important connection, and we also see how important creativity is, right? People are creating with food and making bread and baking and making 
TikTok videos. So I think <laughs> one of the things that we can do right now is, is a, be really gentle with ourselves. I'm not liking the sort of productivity message that's out there somewhat on social media, like write a book, learn a language. It's like, well, if that turns you on, great. My brain has got the attention span of a nap right now. Yeah. Um, right? How about you? Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because our CrossFit gym is doing like daily videos and they're doing great things. Like one night they'll do a cooking class and one night they do trivia. It's like something to keep us all engaged. And one of the trainers, her name's Blakely, and she did this great post about if all you want to do today is sit outside in the sun, that's mm -hmm. enough. Do not yeah. feel like you have to accomplish something great during this time. Just getting through sanely and being happy at the other end is enough. Exactly. And I really want to stress that because I think if we get out of this period exhausted from being filled with guilt and productivity shame, we don't want that. We are going to need our energy and our well-being. I think the one thing that this book can do for people right now is help them let go, help them rest, and help them just ask, what might I want to bother about in the future? And I think one thing we can do during the pandemic is naturally maybe even jot down or maybe record it in your journal or you could do like daily photos. What is it that you're naturally drawn to? Because even if we can't make that more of our life or the centerpiece of our life, I'm not talking about, you know, you have to have a whole new career. But one of the things that I think is fascinating about right now is that more of what we naturally desire, we're having time for it. We're having energy for it. We're finding pleasure in it. And that could be really important to recharging yourself and taking care of yourself right now, but also giving you clues to what you might want more of when after comes, whatever after is going to look like. Yeah, I believe that because, I mean, there's a very real danger I'm going to end up with 18 rescue dogs by the end of this. Yes, I know. Oh my God. I'm so glad people are rescuing animals, but I'm so afraid they're going to go back to work and I know. take care of them. I know. The dogs are going to be like, where'd you guys go? Exactly. I'm really used to having you home all the time as I look at my dog sleeping at my feet. I know. Well, I love that you ask us to pause and ask the question, what's good here? Mm. because as a practice, I think we should all be doing every day, no matter what. And so right now, it's really important. And can you explain what it does to us when we do pause and ask that question? Yeah. So what we know from brain research is that we're really good at looking for what's wrong <laughs> and what we should be afraid about. I mean, our brains are totally wired for that. We actually get a little hyper arousal when we see a triangle, just a triangle shape That's anywhere. Crazy. Isn't that weird? Because pointy things, our whole evolution, were dangerous. So we have a negativity bias, and that negativity bias, we have to train ourselves out of it. And in a time like this, in a pandemic, and you might have been in a why bother time before the pandemic started, and so now you might feel relief, which can make you feel guilty because you're having to go to a job or engage with people that you didn't know why you cared about anymore, or you might be worried that the why bother is going to get even deeper. So working with our brain right now can be so beneficial. And you can just stop from time to time to ask, what's good here now? It doesn't have to be forced. I mean, I used to hate gratitude practice because it felt so forced to me. But in the moment, you can almost always find things. Like right now, I'm really grateful that I'm having this conversation with you. Like I'm sitting up really straight and my eyes are really big and I'm just so engaged and grateful. What's good here is this connection between us. What's good is my, my little dog snoring at my feet. What's good is I get to talk to some friends later today. What's good is I can still kind of taste the soup I had for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> 
right? And this is just in my little tiny office on a snowy day. You do bring up a fantastic point of all these small things that we can recognize that are good. And I do think this situation has made us start looking at smaller things. We're, oh we're my gosh, so down. Yes. I love it. I love it. I love how I cry when I watch the videos of people on the balconies in New York clapping for the healthcare workers. Or Colorado, of all things, we go out at 8 p.m. and we howl like coyotes. You really? <laughs> yes. So at 8 p.m., you can just hear it. Sometimes there'll be lots of people on your street. Sometimes nobody on your street, but you can hear it from far away, from wherever it's happening. Our governor even Instagrammed like a howl last night. <laughs> Not him howling, but like a little picture of it. The ways that we're connecting and taking in the good, that is such a great idea to just appreciate that and take that in right now. It's a really good stress reliever. And how is that going to help us and serve us as we go through this mm-hmm. time where we're alone or we're quarantined? And or we're scared. Yeah, we're scared and we're anxious and, and we're uncertain. So how is asking that question repeatedly going to help us? Well, we want to ask it, but we also want to pause and savor what we discover. And that five to 10 seconds of stopping to savor begins to wire together different neurons that helps not overcome the negativity bias. It'll always be there, but it makes it so that our default is instantly to the sky is falling, the coyote is going to eat me, this is the end of the world. So it begins to retrain our brain. The other thing it can do, and it helped me do, was start to realize, and this has been profoundly helpful for me during this time, it really helps me realize that I'm safe in this moment, which is incredibly important for our brain chemistry, for the older, more reptilian, sometimes called parts of our brain to calm those down. So it's actually going to lower your stress hormones, which you really need right now. And lastly, it may give you clues what's important to you to have more of in life. Because I think what's really going to get us through this time is knowing what we care about. And you also talk about the role of self-forgiveness. That's really important to bring up right now, too, because we do tend to be, as you had mentioned earlier, we're, <laughs> we're so hard on ourselves. So how important is it as we're sitting here, we're figuring out what we care about, how do we implement the self-forgiveness into that? Well, I think one thing is to realize that it's a practice, and that means that it's not going to be a one and done, that self-forgiveness is something that we're usually not having just to repeat, but it's almost like peeling an onion, right? So the first few times we peel it, we're like, okay, I can forgive myself for having my entire savings in the stock market, you know, <laughs> or I can, I can forgive myself for not getting my kid who was on a study abroad home in time and I got stuck in Europe or we might start to make the first things and then we tend to see deeper layers of it. So the first thing I think to know is it's repetitive, it's a practice, but it'll change. You'll be deepening it. I think the other thing to realize is when we're holding on to the past, we're often rewriting it with what we know now. And that can really keep us from getting our bother on. And one of the most important things that happened to me in in that last Why Bother time was I was in a meditation retreat with a man named Richard Miller. I think it was a seven or 10 day retreat. We're all dressed and ready to go. We're in the final meditation. And he was talking to us before we left. And he said, we're all doing the best we know how at the time. And that last phrase at the time, just like somebody struck it all the way through my body with a, I was the gong and that phrase was the, what is the thing you hit a gong with? The gong hitter. I don't know. Thank you. (laughs) Exactly what I was going to say. Oh my God, the gong hitter. Yes, the gong hitter. I realized that one of the things that was keeping me stuck, so I couldn't leave behind stories, beliefs, the past, my life should look the X way now, but it couldn't, so I shouldn't be able to bother, I shouldn't care. 
was because I was rewriting the past. I couldn't forgive myself because I kept saying, well, I did that. And that wasn't the best I could do, right? Especially about my divorce and not being with my dad when he died. But in fact, it was the best I could do at the time. And so that's another thing we have to remember during this pandemic. We are doing the best we know how under extraordinarily difficult, emotionally trying conditions. So if we snap at our partner, if we decide to take the not great job for a while, let's be gentle with ourselves. Yeah, because we are all, as you mentioned, carrying an incredible amount of pressure and stress and uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And so berating ourselves for our choices is only going to compound everything else that we're feeling. What I'm worried about, and we're seeing different psychiatrists and mental health professionals talking about, is the cost, the long-term cost of what we're going through. And so if we can practice good self-care and self-forgiveness and gentleness now. It's going to be so helpful later. So just don't think about your stress right now. Think about how you want to be able to be resilient later. Yeah. And in doing that, you can think about desire because that's (laughs) something that you talk about. Thank you for setting that up so incredibly well. But we're not talking about the kind of desire you normally would think about. It's not anything sexual. It's not romantic. Explain to us what is the kind of desire that you're talking about and and can you tell us why it's so critical? Well, to me... If we really step back for a second, we realize pretty much everything in our world, not everything, but pretty much everything is created through somebody saying, I want to, I want that. I want to get to know that person. I want to write that book. I want to build that house. I want to create the Hubble telescope, right? (laughs) (laughs) Things start because of desire. And the way that I think about it, and this isn't just the way I think about it. It's in a lot of different philosophical and spiritual systems of thought, but the desire is the light is life speaking through us and saying, huh, here's something that you may be built for, that your particular mix that makes you Jen, for example, might really be able to feel more life and bring more life into the world and good if you explore this. But it's not that simple. We have so much baggage around wanting things, right? Whether we were told as a kid, don't get too big for your pants, or we were poor and we struggled and our family couldn't support our desires, or women have so much baggage around desire. I mean, our culture makes women wanting things and going for it so twisted. So this simple way that we could keep discovering what we want to bother about and and the simple thing that would help us go through the inevitable downturns of disappointments and griefs of life just gets cut off or kinked up like an old garden hose. And so really the core message of the book is when we can let desire start to flow and animate our lives, even in really simple ways, I make a joke about a Cobb salad, it starts to give us more life and energy and courage to do some of the, maybe the bigger things that we might want to change or alter or explore in our lives. But it's not in the book about discovering your next job or your next partner. It's about creating the the energy and desire to know desire so that you can act on it in a bigger way if you wish. And how can someone who's sitting here and this resonates with them, how can they start? Like right now, what are some things that they can do to start discovering what that desire is and really identifying it? I have the perfect thing for you. And it's (laughs) perfect during a pandemic. And it's called a desire retreat. It's so simple that people might cock their head, but just give it a second. Let me explain. So the idea is you set aside a period of time. It could be two hours. It could be all day. It could start when you wake up and end when you go to bed. It doesn't have to be like a 
time or you don't have to set a timer if you don't want to. But during that time with a clear beginning and end, you will only do what you're drawn to do. You will ask, what do I want? And you'll follow it and you'll keep asking, hmm, do, am I still wanting this? Am I still enjoying it? Does this taste good? Am I liking reading this, painting this, cleaning this? It can be anything. No appointments, no plans. So if you want to stream that online yoga class and halfway through, you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. You pause, you go, what do I want? I don't know. Hmm, let's get curious. This can be so crazy making, so enlivening, so wild. It's hard to describe how powerful it is for people because so rarely do we actually set aside time without to-dos, without appointments, without other people, which could be very difficult if you're crammed in your house or your apartment with a whole bunch of people right now. So, you know, you may have to take your desired retreat in the bathroom but <laughs> under the bed <laughs> under the bed in the closet but that kind of freedom is both exhilarating and you rediscover things but it's also can really show you how little you know your desires so be gentle with yourself if you're like i want to do everything i want to do everything out there that i can't do okay true enough frustrating feel that but what about what is available to you locked up at home if you're listening to this still when we're or on lockdown, so to speak. This is a really powerful practice, and I try to do it a few hours a week on the weekends to really, really? give myself time. Yeah, because for me, I mean, as you've mentioned, I write about what I've learned, and I'm still learning this. I'm still learning what is it like to have a relationship with desire, and by no means do I mean you get what you want. <laughs> it's not some kind of magical wish fulfilling. It's about having that relationship so that energy and curiosity can really That is fantastic. This book is so timely. It's really a great discovery process for every person. It's very individual how you're going to interpret it. And you have a virtual book party on April 22nd. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I was, of course, had a whole book tour plan for the book. How's that going? <laughs> that whole thing. Just canceled the last event. We thought we might be able to do something in June, but it was all, nah, none of it's happening. So I was very, very bummed and sad. And I'm like, well, turn it into something good. So I invited some different friends and they're going to come and talk for five minutes about how they're getting their bother on. And we're going to have all kinds of gifts. Like I'm going to give copies of their books. And one gal, Lauren Fleshman, is a former pro runner and she's going to give sweats away and picky bar snacks and I'm going to give copies of the audiobook which we hope will be out by then but if not you'll get it when it does come out so it's just going to be gifts and prizes and I'm going to talk about how it was to write the book and we'll dance so it'll be a hoot. <laughs> that sounds fun and we're going to tell people how they can find all this information. The landing page is going to give them resources to where they can see your book, order your book, find your other resources that you offer because you have a lot of help to offer people and we will point them to that. But as we let you go, what's the one thing that you hope people most get out of this book? Oh, I hope that they realize that there's always more, more life, more love, more creativity, more connection. That I know I've said this already, but I want to say it again, that life doesn't give up on us. It's like life is there just saying, come two steps towards me and I will come rushing back to you. And it may not look like you think it's going to look, but to be vulnerable and open yourself to caring again, first starting with caring with yourself. That's what I hope the book does. That was Jennifer Loudon, author of Why Bother? Discover the Desire for What's Next. If you'd like to learn more about her book, join her virtual book party, 
download a sample chapter, or follow her on social media, visit us at livehappynow.com and follow the links. We hope you're already a subscriber to Live Happy Now, but if you're not, you can find us on the Pandora Podcast Network, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. Just look for us on your favorite platform and hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. That is all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all-new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.